0: Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country, learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 60 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just wanna share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is dedicated to encouraging people to live out the life of servant leadership. And my goal is to do that each week through stories of people that really live it out. This idea of honoring God through putting other people first. Because what I know to be true, and we've seen each week, is that when you do that, and you live that kind of life, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because all of us have been given very special and unique gifts by God. And because of that, it is our responsibility and obligation that when we see a need in the world around us, it is incumbent on us to fill that need to the best of our ability. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life, whether you're in the military, in business, a leader in faith, a leader in your community, or even just as simple as serving your family. You can serve in any walk of life, wherever you find yourself to be. So last week, if you missed it, in episode 59, we heard from Miss Christine Domeniac. And she is a grief counselor, an author, a keynote speaker. And she had just a very powerful message about the importance of seeing and recognizing signs in the world around you as messages, maybe from God or from the departed loved ones. And she also spoke very eloquently and at length about the importance and power. Of prayer and the healing that it can bring about in your life, especially as you're going through difficult times. So, if you didn't hear last week's show, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to what she had to say because it can really help you move through anything difficult that you are dealing with. But for today, let me just share with you a little bit about me that's relevant to today's guest. As you may know, I'm a retired Army Lieutenant Colonel and I'm also a minister in the Assemblies of God. And because of those two things, I believe very much in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen, and it says as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And what's relevant about that is today's guest, Major General Retired John Gronsky wrote a book on that very topic called Iron Sharpens Leadership. He is a retired army general and a man who epitomizes servant leadership. Not only is he a veteran, He's also an author and a keynote speaker. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Major General Retired John Gronsky. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Major General Retired John Gronski. Sir, first of all, thank you so very much for taking your time out of your very busy schedule to be with me on the show today.
1: Hey, Paul, I just want to thank you for the invitation. You have a fantastic program, and I'm glad to be part of it today.
0: Thank you, sir. Well, sir, looking at your bio and your website, you have accomplished so very much, but I feel like the beginning of your journey is probably when you joined the Army. So I wonder if you would share with us what that, story was like for you? Why you joined the Army? When? You know, all those good things.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you know, that that really uh, was a turning point in my life, and uh, you know, it all, really all goes back to my father, who was a World War II veteran. Uh, he, he encouraged me to join the military, not necessarily the Army, but uh, he, he encouraged me to join the military, and After high school, I I actually uh, uh, entered uh, the University of Scranton and they had an ROTC program there. My my dad wanted me to get into ROTC. And, of course, being a very intelligent, uh, you know, wise to the world 18 year old, Mm -hmm. you know, I did not want to have anything to do with my father's advice. Of course. He was advising me to do that. No way. So about two years went by and then between... uh, or, or I should say, at the end of my sophomore year, I get this letter from the ROTC department, and it invites me to go to their basic camp at Fort Knox, Kentucky. Okay. And uh, this was 1976, and I thought, you know what? You know, I'd love to do something different this summer. So yeah, let me give it a shot. So here I show up at Fort Knox, Kentucky. We have drill sergeants uh, who were all you know Vietnam veterans and you know just the camaraderie and and the physical component and 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 all that stuff it really just drew me in and it's kind of like i was sold yeah and uh came back from the basic camp uh joined rotc and was lucky enough to get a commission in 1978 go on active duty uh uh in 78 and and never did I think I was going to spend over 40 years in the Army, but that's what it turned out to be. Wow. Uh, and it really, the Army has done so much more for me than I have done for it. And uh, I'm just so happy I had that opportunity. So
0: I didn't know that particular piece about your background, sir. So, uh, I went to King's College, and that was a satellite campus of the University of Scranton's ROTC program. And Exactly. It, it just so happens that I went to basic camp in 96. So 20 years after you, I followed in your footsteps.
1: That is so funny. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, I served four years on active duty. I, I left active duty in 82. Uh, did an interesting trip across the United States with my wife after that. Uh, a bicycle trip from uh, Washington state to Pennsylvania with my wife and our 15 month old son. Wow. Back in the analog year of 1983 prior to the internet, cell phones, all that digital stuff that we have today. And um, then, you know, I'm I'm back home in Northeastern Pennsylvania and somebody says to me, Hey, why don't you go down to Armory and and, uh, talk to the, The National Guard down there, about joining the National Guard, it's kind of like, I didn't even know what the National Guard was, but I went down to the armory, talked to some great people there, uh, entered the Pennsylvania Army National Guard, and uh, again, between, you know, my service in the National Guard and active duty time with deployments and and, and so on, uh, again, about 12 years or so of active duty and, and the rest of the time in the National Guard, but So many great experiences and and just so many awesome people I've met. Had the opportunity to go to Lithuania for a year in the year 2000, only seven years after the Lithuanians regained their independence from the Soviet Union. You know, Lithuania is a Baltic country bordering Belarus and Poland. So uh, interesting times there. uh, Only seven years after they were able to wrestle themselves from the yoke of the Soviets. And then... uh, I had the honor to command a brigade combat team in Ramadi, Iraq in 2005 and 2006, and then had the opportunity to command the 28th Infantry Division, you know, 15,000 soldiers. Wow. And then spent the last three years of my career as one of the deputy commanding generals at U.S. Army Europe stationed in Wiesbaden, Germany, and had the opportunity to travel to about 40 countries on business while I was over there. I uh, was in Ukraine many times uh, uh, talking to Ukrainian soldiers and, and working with our forces as they rotated into Ukraine to uh, help the Ukrainians build their readiness. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing so much success of the Ukrainians as the United States has been in their country since uh, right after 2014. To to help them right. learn 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 the tactics techniques procedures we use in the United States, and I, I think uh, we'd be very proud of of the way they're they're standing up to that Russian aggression.
0: So, sir, you have had a very wide range of experiences and commanded at so many different levels. What would you say is the greatest thing that the army has taught you about what it means to be a leader and care for other people?
1: Yeah, I think it's all about. Um, Adhering to the Army values and 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 identifying what our own personal core values are and, and adhering to those, um, I, I really believe uh, strong character is the foundation of, of leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've also learned the importance of placing your followers' welfare ahead of your own welfare. Yes, if you if you could do that as a leader. Uh, You're going to you're going to be able to cultivate trust. You're going to be able to build teams. And when you show that you're willing to do anything for your followers, your followers will prove that they will be willing to do anything for you. Yeah. And and those are the type of things I, I, I learned in the army.
0: So throughout your career, when you commanded at all these levels and you talk about the army values and your core values and putting your followers welfare in front of other people. How did people in your command respond to that? I mean, did they emulate your leadership? Did they appreciate that? And what kind of feedback did you get along the way? And you know, how did that really influence your command style and all of that?
1: Yeah. You know, back in my early twenties, I remember reading somewhere that the organization you lead will take on your personality. Yes. And, and I thought to myself, how could that be true? You know, uh, this was before I commanded a, a, a company of about 140 soldiers. I thought, mm-hmm. how could that be true? How could, you know, how could I be so powerful to, to have this organization take on my personality? But when I, when I did have an opportunity to command the company, I learned that is exactly true. And if, if, if you are a sloppy leader who takes the lead, of a well-oiled organization that well organized oiled organization is going to turn out to be a sloppy organization if you are uh an effective efficient uh leader who believes in placing the welfare of your followers ahead of your own that's the way that organization is going to respond so yeah absolutely uh if you're a leader who demonstrates those type of characteristics of, of a of a servant leader, uh, those in your organization uh, at, at the various levels below you will also emulate that type of leadership. Uh, I've found over my 40 years in the army, that's that's exactly the case.
0: And was that also true at the most senior levels of leadership? You said you were the DCG for us. So that's a very high level position. Did you find that also, you know, in those cases?
1: Absolutely, uh, sure. I mean, you know, um, you know you get to a higher level and and you know you, you still have you know that that team of five to seven who generally works directly for you right and, and yeah uh those folks will absolutely uh emulate the leadership style that that you emulate you know if you have a a leader at that level who is a team builder who is positive who is energetic who provides the vision uh, you know, that is going to resonate with those leaders, even, even in a, a large organization. I, I really found that out when I was the, the commanding general of the 28th infantry division, uh, you know, four, four brigades, uh, in, 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 my division and, uh, those brigade commanders, and then down to the 22 battalion commanders that served within those, those brigades, uh, they, they took on the same characteristics. Uh, you know, I, I I was fortunate enough to have a good team around me to help me develop a shared vision. Mm-hmm. And I was a believer that when you, when a leader provides that vision, it has to be a, a, a sustainable vision. It has to be a long-term vision. It, it can't be a vision that changes every three months. Right? You know, it can't be it can't be the vision of the quarter right it has to be the, the vision of the you know three to five years out yeah and and as long as you're consistent in communicating that vision and it's a shared vision that that the, the people you lead believe in uh they the, the the folks that follow you will do anything to to achieve that uh, and it's, it's a it's a magical thing and and it's just great to be a part of that
0: So, sir, I have to ask, I mean, you retired as a two star general and you talked about starting out as this young 18 year old kid that wanted to maybe disregard the recommendations and guidance of his father. So my guess is there has to be one or more people that really poured into you to help you become the leader of character that you are today
1: yeah i mean absolutely uh, throughout my career i mean again at, at fort knox uh, kentucky back in 1976 i still remember my drill sergeant's name his name was drill sergeant ogden and he was a little wiry guy and full of energy and and uh was able to uh develop trust between himself and 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 you know us cadets who who were there and uh i i i just i wanted to be like him yeah you know he he was the type of i was saying to myself well if the army is full of people like sergeant ogden that's the kind of organization i want to be a part of so yes there was him uh you know captain angeli uh at the rotc department ray angeli uh who ended up retiring a, as a colonel uh you know he was a, a big influence in my life early on and then just just other Leaders that I had r- right at the start of my career and, and right on through uh, the end of my career. You know, the people like Lieutenant General Hodges and, and General Cavoli. Both of them were, uh, you know, first Hodges, then Cavoli were the commanding generals of U.S. Army Europe, who I worked for at the end of my career. Uh, all of all of these folks and, and everyone in between. And, and especially, I should say, the non-commissioned uh, uh, corps, the NCOs. Uh, so many NCOs, uh, you know, my, my command sergeant major, when I commanded the 28th Infantry Division, command sergeant major Kepner, who went on to be a uh, command sergeant major at the four-star level. Uh, sergeant major Conti, uh, who uh, was deployed with me over to Europe after 9-11. Uh, so many NCOs along the way who, who really t- taught me, uh, you know, this is what right looks like. Right. And uh, I'm just fortunate to have people like that around me my entire career.
0: So with all these leaders pouring into you and investing into you, did you over time develop a leadership philosophy of your own? And if so, would you share that briefly with us?
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I developed my my leadership <laughs> philosophy uh, through the, the years of of leading and years of making mistakes and mm-hmm. the years of learning from those mistakes and and really what it what it comes down to is character, competence, and resilience. And in, in terms of character, when I talk about uh, uh, the character element of being a leader, I'm talking about values, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. I'm mm-hmm. talking about cultivating trust in an organization. I'm talking about care, you know, just just showing those you lead uh, that you truly care about them. And one way to do that, one way for a leader to show their followers that they care about them is, uh provide the resources that your followers need so they could do a more effective and efficient job because i believe everybody wants to do a good job i don't think there's too many people out there who wake up in the morning and think to themselves whether they're in the military or civilian workforce i want to go into work today and and do a bad job right i think most people want to do a good job so so providing those people the resources they need so they could actually do their job effectively and then also removing obstacles you know, a lot of people have obstacles in their path, you know, who want to do do well at their work. Uh, and they may not have the authority to move uh, remove certain obstacles, but you as the leader perhaps uh, do, or else you to go to your high, higher level uh, chain of command and, and help get those obstacles removed. So that, that's what I mean by care. That's how you really show people that you care about them. And then in terms of, of competence, there I'm talking about the competence of a leader to provide a shared vision. For purpose to an organization, I'm talking about a leader having the competence and the courage to make decisions when decisions have to be made, mm-hmm. and and communication. I really think if you look at the percentage of time that a leader communicates in their role as a leader, it's probably about ninety percent. Ninety percent of the time, leaders are communicating in some way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so uh, you know having that competence to to communicate uh, clearly uh, concisely, consistently, I think is important. And then resiliency, that's all about having positive energy, uh, you know, being optimistic, but having a, a realistic plan to go along with that optimism. And then it's about fitness. And yes, I'm talking about physical fitness, but I'm also talking about mental fitness, emotional fitness, and spiritual fitness. Yes. Believing that there's something, you know, greater than, than ourselves that, that, that's out there. And then I think vulnerability is a part of, of resilience. And when I talk about vu- vulnerability, uh, it's it's having the courage to move out of your comfort zone as a leader. And what does that mean? That means trying new things. That means surrounding yourself with people who, who are a little bit different than you, you mm-hmm. know, being, being inclusive. It also means... Allowing yourself to be vulnerable to let your followers know, hey, I don't have all the right answers all the time. So mm-hmm. asking opinions, asking people what they think, how th- how they would handle, handle something. And then the last element of vulnerability would be sharing stories. Sharing stories which provide a teachable perspective uh, in terms of, hey, these are mistakes I've made in the past. And this is how I learned from those mistakes. Or this is where I came from. And the, these are some of the challenges I was able to rise above to get to where I am today. Right. I think followers need to hear those stories. So that that's my leadership philosophy. And uh, it, again, it, it came over uh, a number of years, making mistakes, learning lessons, and and having good mentors in my life.
0: So, so I really appreciate that. And I think there's a lot of really valuable nuggets that the listeners can gain from that. I, I wonder, as you've refined and developed this leadership philosophy over your 40 year army career was there a really challenging incident or situation that stands out to you that really helped to shape this philosophy something that you know maybe you had to pray about a lot or seek a lot of guidance from your sergeant major or maybe peers or other superiors that have gone before you
1: yeah i well i think the most challenging period of my army career was commanding that brigade in ramadi iraq and 2005 and 2006, uh, at that point in time, Ramadi was very violent, very chaotic, very dysfunctional. Uh, I'm sorry to say that 82 of my, uh, soldiers, Marines and, and sailors were killed in action over there at that time. Uh, another over 260 were wounded seriously enough where they had to be evacuated back to the United States. So yes. Um, uh, and and there were particularly challenging periods within that period. Uh, I mean, the so so that was probably you know one of the crucible periods of my life as a military leader, where uh, in in circumstances like that, you knew as as being in a leadership position, uh, you 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 didn't you, you just couldn't. Uh, cave in and, and, uh, and crumble under a circumstance like that because there are too many people counting on you. Right. And so, uh, I think that, that period of my life certainly really, uh, played a great role in me developing the philosophy that, that I have today.
0: So now with all this time that's passed and all these lessons that you've learned and going through the crucible of that deployment and that experience, you were able to successfully transition from being a two star army general. And now you're an author of two books. You're a keynote speaker. And you told me that you just recently went to NATO and gave a talk there. So how did you go from being a army senior leader to now being a very well renowned speaker and author?
1: Yeah, well, you know, as you uh, go up in rank, either in the NCO Corps or, or in the, the, the officer side of things, and in the military, you have more and more opportunities to, to speak and, and to speak to larger groups and, and to write and, 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 and that type of thing. And for many, many years, I really got into journal writing, you know, putting my thoughts uh, on, on paper. And, uh, you know, it's just one of the things I really gain energy from when, when, when I write. So, you know, the first book I wrote was about that bicycle trip that we took across the country in 1983.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I kept a journal on that trip. That journal, sh- uh, sat in a, that journal sat in a shoebox for over 35 years. And when I retired from the army in 2019, I dug the journal out of the shoebox and, and put together a, a book. Uh, the title of the book is the ride of our lives. And, uh, it, it was just really a pleasure to put that book together because, uh, there's a lot of leadership elements to that story of that bicycle journey. I think that bicycle journey also played a role in helping me shape my leadership philosophy. Uh, and then after that book uh, was very well received by many, I, I decided to write more of a specific leadership book. And the name of that book is Iron Sharpened Leadership. It's based on Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, which reads as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And actually, uh, uh, one of the chaplains in the 28th Infantry Division Uh, Brought that Bible verse to me Because uh, in World War I General Pershing named The 28th Infantry Division After the Second Battle of the Marne In 1918 General Pershing came out to the battlefield And saw how uh, Strong and resilient The 28th Infantry Division uh, Defense was And how they fended off The the Germans And an attack the Germans were conducting And he said you know you you uh, men of the 28th infantry division are men of iron and the 28th infantry division is my iron division mm. so when i took command of the 28th i, I, I really wa- thought you know resiliency was was a was a key component that i wanted our soldiers to to really have as part of their their toolbox to deal with challenging situations and and so i i really brought up that history and really wanted wanted people to understand that the 28th Infantry Division is an iron division. And the chaplain came to me. He goes, I got the perfect Bible verse for the division. I go, What is a chaplain? He said Proverbs 27:17, "Is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." I said, Man, that's awesome. That that's exactly the type of message we want to get out to our yeah. soldiers. And what that means to me is, you got to work together as a team. Yes. Keep each other sharp to to strengthen one another. You know, uh, and and, uh, that became our 28th Infantry Division Bible verse. and, And it's just a Bible verse that really was special to me. And when I wrote the book, I thought, man, it's about iron sharpened leadership. It's about it's about leaders looking up to mentors to help to help themselves get stronger. But then it's also about leaders looking down to others who maybe aren't quite as strong or talented as they and helping other people along as well. And that's what iron sharpened uh, leadership is all about to me. And and I you know really talk about my leadership philosophy in that book. It's a book of very short chapters, uh, covering many lessons I've learned over my career. And uh, and that's how I got into uh, into being an author of two books. And then it was just natural that um, I started speaking, and people would hear me speak, and and uh, they they really. Seem to like my message. Thank, thankfully, I'm I'm really thankful for that, and I, I keep getting invited back to other organizations to to speak. As you mentioned, I was over in NATO just, la- just last week, and I was in Poland last October to speak to many of their military academies over wow. there, and and do a lot of speaking throughout the United States. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just very fortunate to be able to get my message out there. Very fortunate and blessed that my message seems to resonate with with many people
0: so sir you said the word blessed i i wonder as you look back over your very extensive career and all the accomplishments that you have would you say that there is a specific time or incident that you would just look at the situation and maybe pause and reflect in your head and say i cannot believe that i get to do this i can't believe that god has blessed me and my family in this way i mean was there a really special time for you
1: Oh, many times. Uh, and and uh, I really think God has had a hand in many of the opportunities I've had. You know, that time that I mentioned, you know, over 20 years ago, back in the year 2000, when I went to Lithuania, that's something I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I kind of visualized that. And, 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 and God put me in that position to be able to go over there and, and have that opportunity. And I thought that was going to be the only time in my career I was ever going to serve overseas, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, obviously after 9-11, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to take 2,000 soldiers over to Europe shortly after 9-11 to do a force protection mission in, in Europe, which, you know, doesn't sound that sexy or anything, but it was important. And uh, I, I, again, just having 2,000 soldiers scattered over four countries in Europe was a challenge in itself. And I learned a lot of things from, from that particular uh time and then you know the the, the the large honor of being able to lead 5,000 soldiers and Marines in Ramadi uh just just an, an incredible honor to be in a position to serve with so many great Americans like that and then and then everything you know the 28th Infantry Division command I mean I really think God had a role in placing me in these positions and in guiding me uh, to, do what i guess people who were my superiors believe was 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 a good job that i i did only because mm-hmm. of the people around me right uh uh so yeah i absolutely am a believer uh that uh, a power higher than myself has really guided me and and, and helped me along the way amen and, I, and i'm a believer i'm a believer in grace and mercy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and um the way it was explained to me is is mercy is, uh, you know, pre- preventing you from uh, getting into an accident, or if you get into an accident, having the mercy to help heal you, you know, to, to sure. kind of explain it in a term that I kind of understand it. And grace, to me, grace is about the Lord working with us, so we can get the most out of the talents that we have. Mm. And and uh, I'm a believer in mercy and grace. And I think I think God has blessed me by being merciful and also providing his grace to me so I could make the most out of the talents that he has given me.
0: Amen. Sir, we have just a couple minutes left and I, I wanna go back to the first book that you mentioned just briefly. So you said that you rode across the United States with your wife, um, I think you said in 1983. What, what was the heart behind that? Why would you wanna bike so long for such an extended period of time And what I would assume is gotta be some deplorable conditions along the way?
1: Yeah, well, you left out a key, com- a, a key element of that trip. I, I biked across the United States with my wife and our 15-month-old son. Okay, it's even more complex. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I pulled our 15-month-old son, Stephen, in a trailer. He was 15 months old when we started the trip in May of 1983. And he was 18 months old when we completed the trip in August of 1983. Wow. And it was all self-supported. You know, we had a two-man backpacking tent, two sleeping bags, a little one-burner Coleman stove to cook chow on. And... Uh, it was an analog world back in 1983. So we had to use paper maps. If we wanted to make a phone call, we had to find a, a pay phone wow. somewhere. phone. And, and, uh, you know, in the research we did leading up to the trip, there was no internet to browse, <laughs> you know, you basically had to go to the library and, and, and check out some books and, and, and read books that people may have wrote about cross country bicycle yeah. trips that they took, you know, and. And, uh, but no, it was a fantastic trip. Uh, we saw the country at about a 10 to 15 mile an hour pace. We met some wonderful people on that trip. Uh, we paid for three hotel rooms in three months. Wow. Now, <laughs> and now and then though, we were invited into homes, you know, people would, would, uh, see us and, and talk to us and invite us to stay the night in their, in, in their, their home, which was appreciated. That would happen now and then. And otherwise, we had that tent. We would just, you know, pitch our tent. If we if we had a campground to stay in, we would stay in a campground. Otherwise, we would, uh, you know, pitch the tent in, in little town parks or behind a school or behind a church, and and uh, made our way across the United States, thirteen states, over forty five hundred miles, and wow. a lot of great memories.
0: That's incredible. So, sir, last question: Given all that you've done. And especially the intestinal fortitude it's got to take to be able to do a journey like that. What would you say to maybe a young leader that's listening to the show today? Maybe not necessarily an army leader, but somebody that knows they want to do something important with their life, but maybe is lacking a little bit of self-confidence. And they say, oh, well, you know, a guy like General Gronski, that that can never be me. I, I don't have what it takes to grow up to be like him. What would you say to a person that's just starting out, but maybe not quite sure of their Footing.
1: yeah i'm i am about the most common person you're going to meet i have no special qualities no special mental or physical qualities i was always kind of middle of the pack in school middle of the pack uh in in uh you know athletic events i would compete in and uh i really think it it really comes down to first of all uh understanding what your purpose is in life having a vision and having a tangible vision that you could actually see. Uh, believe it or not, that works. Uh, if, if, if you could visualize a goal that you have and and you could do that on a regular basis and write it down and and be able to see it, you're probably gonna achieve it, uh, as, as, as crazy as that sounds. And, and uh, having the courage to take that first step. And then uh, the other part is Absolutely. This is so critical and I wish I was, I wish people talked to me more about this when I was just starting out, how important being true to your values is and, yes. and, and, and not gravitating away from your values. Um, and, and I like to say if 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 you mortgage your, your values or what you stand for in order to get ahead, you only get behind. Mm. Uh, so you've got to stay true true to those values and uh and 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 be good to people and and goodness will come back to you i truly believe those things Uh, amen so that that's the advice i would give to anybody who's just starting out uh who is maybe struggling with the the courage to take that first step those are the things you need to do
0: and sir if people want to learn more about you or maybe get a copy of your book or get you to come and speak where, where would they learn more about engaging with you
1: yeah, the easiest place is my website. It's an easy website, johngronski.com, uh, you know, J-O-H-N-G-R-O-N-S-K-I.com. And there, you know, people could order my books. Uh, if they order a book on my, you know, from my website, they'll get a signed copy of my book. Otherwise, you know, people could good order from Amazon or any other uh, internet bookseller. And, uh, you know, if they'd like me to speak, you know, there's... Um, uh, places on the website that they could send me a message and we we could set up a a time to talk about what they're looking for and and uh certainly love to have those opportunities to to get this message out to more to more people more aspiring leaders and more seasoned leaders uh so that that that's the best way to get a hold of me
0: all right Well, sir, I want to thank you so very much for your time today, for the nuggets of leadership and wisdom that you've passed along and just for who you are and the value that you're bringing to the world around this and encouraging more people to live this life of servant leadership that you talk about today and in your books.
1: Hey, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate what you do as well. Uh, I know you're doing a lot of uh, God's work. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for the the program you put together and the great message that you get out on a regular basis. So again, it was a it was really a, just just a fabulous to be on your show, on your program, and, and thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you, sir. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from today's guest. You know there was a very specific reason that I asked John Ogronski to be on for this particular episode. We're now celebrating Memorial Day weekend and this is a time as a nation where we just take a minute to reflect and appreciate the lives of all the service members that have paid the ultimate sacrifice in the defense of our nation. And when you think about that sacrifice and that leadership, Major General retired John Graszki just epitomizes that and he talked extensively uh, during the interview about the people that he has served with as well as the people that he's lost along the way and you could really hear his heart for the people that he's led and really the remorse for the people that he's lost so what a great guest to have on for memorial day weekend and just a few things that i want to really highlight about what he said and things for us to think about so when he was speaking about his military career He said that the greatest lesson the army taught him about being a servant leader is to put the welfare of your followers ahead of your own. How many times in any walk of life are we tempted to put ourselves first, whether it be at a meal or with finances or with a decision that might benefit us? How many times are we compelled or maybe tempted is the better word to put ourselves first rather than thinking about the well-being of other people, especially those that we're leading. And I would just encourage and challenge us to really take what he said to heart, because this idea of putting your followers first is not unique to any profession or any way of life. Every single person can do that, even in your family. You can put the welfare of your family's needs ahead of your own. What does your spouse need? What do your kids need? Do that before you get yourself that set of golf clubs or whatever it is that you personally want. And then General Gronsky talked about this idea of when you do lead others at whatever size the team or organization is, it will take on your own personality. And he found that to be true from the company level all the way up to being the Deputy Commanding General for US Army Europe. And so I I wonder Can we just think about what are we doing as leaders to make sure that we are putting out the right vibe, so to speak? Are we being the right person that we want other people to emulate? Are we presenting an image that we want to see in other people? And so I personally believe that the greatest example we can follow is that of Jesus Christ. He said that he came to serve, not to be served. And so can we do that in our own organizations, in our families, in our churches, in our businesses, in the military, if you serve? I think that's a great lesson that we can take away from what General Gronsky said. And then incorporating that with his leadership philosophy, I'm not gonna go into detail because he did that very eloquently, but just focusing on the three core pieces of his leadership philosophy, character, competence, and resilience. So I I think it would be really beneficial for all of us to think about and reflect as we're leading other people, as we're caring for other people, can we be people of character, leaders of competence, and leaders that promote resilience? Because that truly is the heart of servant leadership. And then the last thing that he said, and I I just want to dwell on this just a, a little bit, was this idea of Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, And I mentioned it in the beginning of the show and he brought it up as well. But I, I love the twist that he put on it. And what he said was, the whole point of his book of Iron Sharpened Leadership is that you have to work together as a team to strengthen the organization. So how good, how much of a blessing would it be if instead of trying to, get ahead or step on the guy in front of you to get that promotion? Can you work together? Can you sharpen each other? Can you be battle buddies, accountability partners, whatever term you want to use? Can you work with the person to your left and to your right to sharpen each other and make the entire organization better? Because truly, when we can do all these things and live the kind of life that General Gronsky lives out every single day. That is going to make our organizations better, and it's going to make us better as people. So I'm really thankful that he was able to be on the program with us today. What an incredible leader, and it was just an honor to be able to speak to him. Well, John Ogronski talked about um, the idea that when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. And so... You know, that, that's something that's near and dear to my heart, and I wanna just talk about it every week to make sure that it's very much in the front of your mind that when you really care for other people, it may not be today, it may not be next week, it may not be a month or a year from now, but good comes back to you. And another way to look at that is you reap what you sow. And reaping and sowing has a lot to do with farming and gardening. Right, And this past week, I was blessed beyond measure by an organization that deals very much with reaping and sowing, an organization called Heroic Gardens. And so uh, about a year ago, I was fortunate enough to have the CEO of Heroic Gardens, Kali Turner, and her colleague, Peg Sheffield, be guests on the show. And, you know, over the last year, uh, I've contributed to the organization and I've tried to help uh, in every way that I can to promote what they're doing. And they, in turn, wanted to bless me. And so they contacted me and they said, well, you are a veteran and our organization exists to help and serve veterans. And we create a horticultural or a botanical space where veterans can go in their home area and just find peace, inner peace by being in and looking at this particular space. And so the team from Heroic Gardens came out to my house this past week and designed me a Japanese garden that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it just completes my backyard and makes it look so amazingly beautiful. So I am so very thankful for Kali and Peg and the entire team from Heroic Gardens. They came out to the house last week. So again, I would encourage you to bless other people because you do reap what you sow. Well, listen, next week, I had just another incredible guest. Mr. Matt McLette is gonna be on the program with me and we're gonna be doing it live from the Rough Ride uh, event at the Lincoln Financial Field. And so Matt is a Tillman scholar He is the head of clinical operations at Neuroflow, and he's the executive director of a nonprofit called Action Tank. Really excited to talk to Matt, especially because it's going to be live uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. Well, again, happy Memorial Day weekend and just something for you to think about as you're going about your week. No matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again. Next week
2: walking around these walls I thought but now they fall, but you never felt me yet waiting for change to come knowing the For you have never felt me again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm stealing your. окна